Well, good morning. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. And we're getting a good early start today, so we should have time for ministry time after the sermon. So hopefully you guys have been reading uh, your one chapter a day, and we're going to pass out, if we haven't already, passed out the uh, Romans Revolution Challenge for Romans chapter 6. So this week, uh, can listen to it, uh, or listen to it, or read it. I listen to the Bible a lot. I was telling you all last week that uh, on the Blue Letter Bible, there's a uh, audio feature where it'll actually repeat the chapter seven times for you. So you could listen to it seven times a day and really, really get a grasp on the chapter. And that's the whole point. We, we're really wanting to challenge everyone to do a deep dive into Romans to the point where if somebody asked you, hey, could you just explain to me the book of Romans? You could just pretty much do it from memory, not you know word for word, but just... Oh, chapter 1, 2, and half of 3 talks about sin, and, and then chapter 4 is the faith of Abraham, and so kind of, kind of like that. And, and it, then it's what's even more beneficial than sharing it with others is you being able to just meditate on that, right? Kind of in your own mind, just walk through the book of Romans, because I really believe it's our path to victory. You know, we've been saved from sin through trusting Jesus, and we know we're going home to heaven someday, right? But it's this in-between time that's kind of tough, right, of how do we walk with the Lord? How do we live a Christ-like life? That's a pretty high standard, right? And so Romans tells us that, and it's really, it's a lot better news than you think. You know, many times we think, oh, this Christian life, it's so hard, and God must be you know, mad at me most of the time because I'm messing up all the time, right? And that would be kind of the natural reaction. But the deeper you get into Romans, you realize, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. It talks a lot about grace. So that's what we're going to learn today. And chapter 5 is, is just a tremendous, tremendous chapter uh, learning to, to walk with God. So let's jump right in. Romans 5. Verse 1, let's pray first. Lord, thank you for your word. You said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Lord, when you preached, you would say that to your audiences because you knew that it was only those whose hearts and spiritual ears were open to the Holy Spirit. Those were going to be the people that understood the message that you were speaking. And you knew if it was just the natural mind, the natural ear, that they wouldn't hear. You said that their, their ears were, were dull. They couldn't hear. And so, Lord, there's a world of difference between those, those two types of people. And, Lord, we want to be the people who have ears to hear, who have sensitive hearts, whose spiritual ears are attuned because we're depending on the Holy Spirit, not our own intellect, Lord. And you said the natural man cannot receive anything from the Spirit and that we're to be spiritually minded, dependent on Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us. So we, we yield our minds to that blessed spirit 
to teach us, to lead us into all truth as we consider Romans 5. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So notice verse 1. It says, therefore, and we always ask, what is it therefore? Therefore. So he's referring to something he just spoke of in a previous thought. So let's do a, a quick review of, of Romans and then see how that flows into chapter 5. You always want to think about the context, right? So we know the first uh, t- three and a half chapters, Paul is laying down this foundation of trying to convince people you're, you're sinners, you have no hope of reaching God in and of yourself whether you're a moral person, a religious person, or just someone who's given yourself over to sin, we're all sinners. We need a Savior. And then chapter 3, verse 21, really makes this turn. He says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's a real turning point in the book of Romans. He's saying you're... You're all sinners. You can't depend on the law to make you righteous. So give up on that idea. But then he says, the good news, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. What is that new revelation? The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Wow, that easy. Just exercising faith in the person of Jesus Christ, and now the righteousness of God comes to you. That's good news. And then, so now since Paul is now making this turn in the book and really in the Bible and, and, and making this transition from, from law to grace, he's saying now what is the key for you to receive God's righteousness personally, right? Because it doesn't do any good if you haven't received it personally. Well, How do you do that? It's by faith. Verse 22 of Romans 3, through faith in Jesus Christ. So now he's going to really begin to do a deep dive into faith. What what does faith mean? So chapter 4 is Paul going deep into the faith of Abraham and how Abraham, even way back at the beginning of the Bible, that God laid down this principle of relating to him by faith. God made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham believed the promise of God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So this is nothing new that Paul is preaching, the idea of having a faith-based relationship with God. So faith isn't works. See, works is always contrasted to faith. Faith is just believing and understanding in the work that God has done. And just saying, okay, God, you did the work. Or you're going to do the work in me. In Abraham's case, you promised me a child. I can't produce a child. I'm physically unable. My wife is physically unable. But you promised 
that you would give us a child. So you're, you're just going to have to do a miracle, God. And I believe, God, you're able to do a miracle because you're God. So Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him for righteousness. Abraham uh, focused on the ability of God. See, that's what faith does. And faith doesn't consider your own weaknesses and limitations. Man, if we focus on our weakness and limitation, which many of us, that's, we spend far too much time looking at our own weakness and limitation. That's not faith. I mean, we're all weak. <laughs> we're all unable in ourselves to bear fruit unto the Lord. But Abraham, he, didn't, he wasn't weak in faith. He didn't consider his own body. But, and he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but, but being fully convinced that what he promised he was able to perform. That's a definition of faith. God said he can make me Christ-like, then he's going he's gonna to do that in me, and I'm going to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit to produce that Christ-likeness in me. That's faith. And this is what Romans teaches us. So then uh, getting to the very end of Romans 4 to transition into 5, Paul is saying, uh, verse 22 of chapter 4, he says, It was accounted to Abraham for righteousness, his faith. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, that righteousness was imputed to him as a free gift, but also for us. And now here, here Paul is now telling us we're to focus our faith on the person of Jesus Christ. See, you, you hear people talk about faith, but what's the object of your faith? Is it yourself? Is it you know, health and wealth, that's what you're always sort of focused on. The Bible tells us we are to exercise faith, but the object of our faith is to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. And now this is where Paul makes another turn. He's argued that faith is super important. You need to understand how to walk in faith. But now he says, yeah, Abraham had faith, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But it wasn't just for Abraham. It was, it was looking ahead to us. And he says, and it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Notice this is the death and resurrection of Christ. Who was delivered up because of our offense and offenses and who was raised because of our justification. So I love that. This is a beautiful focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where I begin with God. That's how I get saved. And that's how I continue on with the Lord and find victory in my life. And so verse uh, one of chapter five, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's really nailed the argument that a person can be justified by faith. But now what are the benefits of that? What are the benefits of exercising faith in Jesus is just is just this is it just something sort of academic that well you know we believe it's a historical fact and and we know someday we'll make it to heaven but we're kind of you know struggling on our own here no it's it, salvation is deeper than that it's not just a ticket to heaven paul is saying this is a now a relationship with god that we're talking about we're not just talking about god Declaring you not guilty in the courts of heaven, that's important. Writing your name in the book of life, that's important, right? But th what you're going to find in this chapter, Paul using language like, well, there's much more. Or, or uh, there's, there's also this benefit. 
So to, to think, well, there's actually much more than, than just the death of Christ to bring forgiveness to me. Yeah, that's what we're going to see here. So Paul is beginning to say here in verse 5, wait, you have a relationship with God. You have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's pointing you back to Jesus. He will, he will constantly be doing that because that's how we're to live. We're to live with our faith focused on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I ask you today, you know, do you, are you experiencing that peace? Or do you feel like God's mad at you? Do you feel a distance from God? See, we all battle with these things, right? Now, I mean, you, you don't just get born again and now the rest of your life you live in peace and joy and it's just sort of this heavenly existence. Paul's going to talk about in a few verses, oh no, there is tribulation in, in the Christian life, but he's going to tell it, even give us a purpose for that. But my point is, we're fighting for this peace. You, it doesn't come automatically. There's a lot of things coming at us, right? Problems, anxieties, depression, sin, things that want to weigh us down and keep us from this beautiful, intimate relationship with the Lord. So the importance of understanding verses like this, because this is the, the very rock that you're going to fight from. This is where you're going to make your stand against these forces that are trying to keep you from having peace. You have to say, man, I'm not feeling peace right now. I feel like God's mad at me. I failed again. But you know what? The Bible says I have peace with God. Romans 5.1, through the Lord Jesus Christ, because I'm trusting in the great work of Christ on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. That's where all of my hope is, and that's what God, that is, that's the covenant God has made with us. That's where I meet with God at the cross, see? It's just like in the Old Testament, they would build that, those altars and, and, and a sacrifice. They always knew they needed something between them and God. The, the godly people knew that. It's the same kind of principle. We, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So really in these, these first two verses, you're seeing the past, the present, and the future. As Christians, we're seeing the past. We're justified by by faith. All of my past is is cleansed away and by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am declared not guilty before God. I have a peaceful, right relationship with Him. Not because I walk in perfection, but because I'm trusting in Jesus. That's my past. But what about the present? He says, verse two: Through whom also, or through Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So he's saying in the present right now, you're standing in grace before God. So my, my past was washed away and, and, my, and my sins were cleansed by grace. I didn't deserve that. I didn't work for it. God didn't say, oh, you, you've performed well enough to where I'm going to go ahead and just forgive your sins. No. We come as total sinners, and God says, by grace, I'm going to forgive your sins. But what about now, how I walk with God? He says, That's, it's going to be the same way. It's going to be by grace. And it's through Jesus Christ, I have access by faith. 
So is it automatic that you have this beautiful grace flowing in your life? No, it's not. You have to access it by faith. Jesus said, let it be done unto you according to your faith. And you say, I'm a defeated Christian. You know, it's just, I'm always being overcome. I'm just, you know, problems in my life. It's just terrible. It's terrible. It's like, well, are you accessing by faith the grace that's available to you? Again, we have to fight for it. It doesn't come easy. It's kind of like that woman who pushed through the crowd, you know, touched the, the hem of his garment and, and life flowed into her. And Jesus said, woman, uh, you know, it's been done according to your faith. You're made well. It's the person who touches Jesus by faith that receives life. So if you're a defeated, frustrated Christian, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? It's, it's my fault. It's your fault. It, it, you're, you're not accessing by faith which it, that which is available to you. So through Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So a kind of a sense of, you know, you're having to stand against something, right? Kind of like the full armor in Ro Roman, Ro Ephesians 6, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So we got the armor on, we're, we're being attacked, but we're not running, you know, we're standing in faith and uh, until that storm passes by and our faith stands strong. So that's the present. And then what about the future? Verse 2, the end of verse 2. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So that's our future. God covers it all by his grace. Now, what are you going to do to glorify yourself? I mean, what work are you going to do to glorify yourself? You do have to work at that, right? No. The Lord, you're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You're going to go from mortal to immortality. You don't work for that. That's 100% God's grace, right? You just receive. You look up and see the Lord, you know, shout your name, come home or whatever he's going to say. You hear the trumpet and uh, bam, you're changed. Now, that's what you have to look forward to. And, you, and it's by grace. So the grace covers your past. Grace covers your, your present. Grace covers your future through Jesus Christ. So we have this hope in the glory of God. See, a way, the way a Christian thinks about their life and how the, you view life, it's, it's right here for you. You want your mind to be transformed, to conform, and to think according to God's word. So is that how you think about your past? God's grace? Is that how you think about your present? It's all God's grace and my future. Wow, I, I get a share in God's glory, and I'm, I'm rejoicing in that. I'm excited about that. I have hope in my life. So just in those two verses, a ton of benefits. Uh, you, you could easily memorize those two verses. Probably most of you have them memorized. And just meditate on it. Just, just let it, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you, oh, do I have that peace that I'm promised? Do I have that joy that I'm promised? Am I really rejoicing in hope of the glory of God? And then verse 3 talks about tribulation. So the, I love the reality of the Bible. It's not like um, the Bible says, oh, you're, you know, you're entering the age of Aquarius where everything's going to be glorious. And, you know, for, remember back in the 60s, they were saying, you know, like, it's just we're going to enter this beautiful age it's a lie. It was a lie. See, the Bible 
is real. The Bible's not saying, you know, once you receive Christ, it's going to be so glorious and easy. And, you know, you're just going to kind of, you know, float through life in this, this heavenly state. And then one day the Lord's just going to take you home. The Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, Jesus said in this, he promised, in this world you will have tribulation. What did he say, though, after that? Or I have overcome the world. So it, it's the same. Jesus is able to say in one sentence that take Paul, it takes Paul like a couple chapters. I, I'm just amazed by that, really. I see that all over the place. So Jesus promised, no, you will have tribulation, but in the midst of that, you can be, be cheerful. That doesn't even make sense. You know, the world says you can be happy if your circumstances are right and if you sort of, you know, mold your life where you can be in this place of um, the least amount of suffering and, and, the, and the most pleasure, then you'll be happy. The Lord says, no, you're going to actually have tribulation, but in the midst of that tribulation, you can have joy and cheer because, not because you're, you know, a positive thinker, but because I have overcome the world. So get connected to my overcoming power and you'll have joy. And that's what Paul again, is, is deep diving, teaching us how to do that. So here he says, not only is God's grace covered our past, our present, and our future, but his grace is covering our tribulations. So verse 3, not only that, but we glory or, or we rejoice or boast in tribulations. Well, I mean, who does that, right? Oh, I'm so glad this tribulation has come. Oh, this is great. Thank you, Lord. I'm so happy right now. Bring more. No. I mean, there, there's a maturity that we can reach in the way we think about life. And, I, and I'm not sure many of us walk in it. But, it, again, it's there for the taking and, and, and reading it and meditating on it and praying over it and saying, Lord, I want to approach tribulations in this way that I can actually rejoice in tribulations, glory in tribulations. But how do you do that? Because you know something. A mature Christian knows something about tribulation. There's a secret about tribulations. Do you know what it is? Because you know that tribulation is working something in your life. It says right here, tribulation produces perseverance or endurance. Perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope so this there's this process we're going through if we yield to the lord and agree with him that as we're going through this tribulation we're we're enduring we're recognizing okay this is god's going to use this difficulty i'm going through and it hurts but it's going to make me a more mature believer a more christ-like believer so I'm, I'm happy in the sense I understand that God's doing something super value, valuable in my life. And it's important that I exercise perseverance or endurance. That I don't freak out when things aren't going my way. And then... And then when you learn to walk in that kind of endurance or perseverance, you become a person of character, right? 
So you, we think about, I, I like to give the example of like a baby, you know, my little granddaughter. If she starts to get tired and hungry, she lets you know, right? She, through crying and like the world is about to end, right? For a, a little one that doesn't get what they need right now. And uh, I don't know, sometimes when I get tired and hungry, I act the same way. So I, I got to wonder, in fact, something like that happened to me yesterday. So it's like, thanks, Lord, for pointing that out, you know, in my life. But, um, but that wouldn't be a person of character that you would see, right? If you saw an adult, uh, like after church, you know, some of you are starting to get hungry, you're, you're ready to go, and you just start crying and, you, you know, throw yourself on the floor. And, and I'm like, you are not a person of character. You need to grow up. You know, you need to, to develop some endurance because, you know, lunch is coming. Relax. Endure. So this is what we want to be a person of character. And then character produces hope. So you start to see some endurance develop in your life and you become more of a person of character. And then that word hope is um, expecting good, a confident expectation of future good. That's what hope is. So I'm going through this difficulty, but I'm enduring it. And I know God, something good is going to come out of this. I know I'm going to come out the other side of this and I'm going to be stronger and closer to you and more full of faith. And uh, so I'm expecting, God, that, that you're going to work through this. And, you know, somebody from the outside might say, you know, you people of faith, that's, you're just living in a fantasy world. You know, you're depending on God to come through for you, and, and that's just not reality, man. I mean, you gotta, you got to make it on your, on your own, put, you know, put number one first. You're living a dream world. But this is now what Paul says to answer that in verse 5. He says, now hope does not disappoint. I think the better translation would be hope does not make ashamed. So I'm not going to be ashamed because I'm trusting in the Lord and hoping that he's working something through my tribulations. God's never going to be put, he's not, not going to put me to shame. You, there's scriptures in the Old Testament, you know, in Psalm, God says, you know, you'll never be put to shame if you trust in me. God, you won't be. It's, that's a beautiful thing because that's what the temptation would be. Oh, you're just living in a fantasy world, believing God's going to come. You know, you got you to gotta fend for yourself, man. And it's like, no, no, that's not the way I live anymore. I don't think that way. I believe God loves me. He's working on my behalf. He's changing me into the image of Christ through, through these tribulations from glory to glory. So I'm not going to be ashamed trusting in the Lord. In fact, he says, look at the rest of the verse, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I think what Paul's saying there, as you're going through this tribulation and trusting the Lord and enduring and knowing he's doing something good, you're actually experiencing the love of God and the presence of God in your life. 